How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Creative Collision Podcast. This is Saeed here. On this podcast, I'm going to do uh, three different topics. Um, first topic I'm going to start off with, uh, I'm going to continue my classic album review series. Um, I started a classic album review series on my last podcast. I started with Illmatic by Nas. Uh, I figured that was a good place to start. Uh, it's one of the all-time great albums in hip-hop. It's one of the most recognized hip-hop albums, um, one of the most iconic uh, albums ever. So I figured that was a good place to start as as Illmatic is basically one of the holy grail hip-hop albums as far as classics is concerned. Uh, so I started there. Um, on this episode, I'm going to do uh, Reasonable Doubt by Jay-Z, uh, Jay-Z's debut album, Reasonable Doubt, classic. Uh, it's my it's my favorite album of all time. I probably listened to that album more than any other um, album ever. So I figured I, I'd do my second episode of this classic album review series with my personal favorite album. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, and yeah, just start start with start with that as my first topic. Other topics I'm gonna get into is uh, is uh, NBA's back. NBA's back. Um, baseball's coming back. I'm excited. We're getting sports back, and um, looking forward to that. So uh, I'm just gonna talk about my quick thoughts on the NBA bubble in Orlando, and also uh, baseball coming back with the 60 game regular season. And uh, my thoughts on how the Dodgers are going to do, um, how I feel about that, as well as the Lakers with the NBA bubble. So um, yeah, that's going to be the topics on, on today's podcast. So I'm going to start off with uh, the, the classic album review. So starting it off, second second episode doing the classic albums. I'm reviewing them. And uh, Reasonable Doubt by Jay-Z is, uh, is where we're going to kick it off. Um, so yeah, the, um, well, the, going back, I'm going to, the way I'm going to break this down, um, going back to the way I did my Illmatic review, um, I'm not so much going to do a track by track breakdown. I'm not going to do a track by track breakdown when I do these classic album reviews, the way I do my, uh, album reviews for, for regular albums that come out for new albums that come out. I review them differently. I do more of a track by track review, um, and talk about the music more. But on classic album reviews, um, I'm going to talk about more so the impact and the legacy that these albums ha- um, had on on the industry, on on hip hop, and also what made it a classic and my my experiences with that album, first time I heard it. So let's start there. So first time I heard Reasonable Doubt, um, it was actually because of my cousin, my older cousin Frankie. It's a big hip hop head. He put me onto a lot of classic albums, and back then, this was like 2000, had to be, had to be like 2006, 2005, 2006. Um, so back then, it's when we still use CDs. Um, I know for some of you listeners, probably you don't even know what a CD is. <laughs> well, I'm sure you do, but you probably never used one before, or had to use one before. But um, yeah, for. For the younger generation, for the kids out there, that uh, um, back then we had CDs, and and the way uh, people would have CDs, they would have a, a notebook like an um, full of CDs, just filled with a bunch of CDs. And my cousin had a bunch of uh, hip hop albums, 
um, in a notebook full of CDs and and uh, reasonable doubt with one of them. And I, I burned, I basically burned all the CDs he had into my computer because that's what you would do back then. It was kind of illegal. <laughs> um, uh, so I hope I don't get in trouble. But yeah, I mean, back then you would, you would, uh, you would uh, burn CDs to a computer and then you would uh, put those songs, put those albums on a new CD and transfer it to a new CD and that would be your copy. So that's what I did with a bunch of his albums that he had and uh and reasonable doubt was one of the albums he had so that's how i first listened to it um and at that time you know i i had heard a reasonable doubt because back then uh, i know i was i was doing my rapper thing i was rapping i was trying to learn about hip-hop so uh i would study study uh different rappers and and go online and research like greatest hip-hop albums of all time to listen to 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 become a better rapper myself basically so uh um, when i would look up best albums uh best hip-hop albums online reasonable doubt would come up a lot and uh and um i knew that uh i knew about the album because it was talked about so much so uh, i already knew before i listened to it that this was considered a, a great album a classic album um so when i first heard it it was it was uh first of all it was funny because i had heard a lot of different music before this album came out that i didn't know came from reasonable doubt uh for example the game was one of my earliest favorite rappers so the documentary uh when that album came out i used to listen to that album a lot um and i liked the game and and um when he had his whole beef with 50 cent he had that 300 300 bars and running i remember hearing a couple of beats on there that sounded so dope and i didn't know at that time but um you know game rapped over dead presidents on that on that song and also brooklyn's finest and then when i heard those songs unreasonable doubt like oh shit that's where that beat came from like i remember loving those those songs so i had no idea that uh, I had no idea that that Dead Presidents um, and Brooklyn's Finest, that's where that's where those beats came from. It came from Reasonable Doubt. Uh, that, you know, when I heard those those beats on Games 300 uh, Bars and Running, I was like, oh, those beats are dope. So when I first heard Reasonable Doubt, one of the first things that caught my attention was the, the beats because I heard some of them before, even though I never heard their, the original song from it. So that that initially got my attention, um, and and drew me in. Uh, the production, the production was so great, and I still to this day I think the production on Reasonable Doubt's uh, amazing. Um, some of my favorite beats, uh, Dead Presidents is one of my favorite beats. Um, uh, Brooklyn's Finest, Feeling It, um, The Evils, Can I Live? So the production is what first stood out to me. And then the second thing was, uh, of course, Jay-Z's lyricism, which at the time went over my head for many years. A lot of the shit he was saying on that album went over my head. Um, I knew I knew the shit he was saying was dope, similar to what I said with Omatic, where I was just young. I didn't really know exactly all the all the shit that these dudes were saying, but it was still dope to me because of the way they were flowing. Like Jay, Jay's flow was so sick on Reasonable Doubt. 
Um, he he switches flow so many times. He had these these intricate rhyme patterns. He can rap slow. He can rap fast. He had the double time thing. He was still kind of doing um, at that time. Early Jay Z used to have this double time flow, and he still brought some of those elements on Reasonable Doubt. Uh, later on, he kind of slowed down the flow a lot more, but he still had a lot of that in Reasonable Doubt. So I knew the shit he was saying was slick and dope, and his voice and everything about his bars were or next level, and it just went over my head. Um, but it was it was still I, for whatever reason it stuck to me. Like I, I didn't want to stop playing it. Um, I, I listened to the album over and over when I first when I first heard it, and uh, and it just quickly became one of my favorite albums um, right away. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, when when that album, well, when I first listened to that album, that was that's the stuff that drew me in, um, and and from that point on, I just became a big Jay Z fan, and I I listened to the rest of his catalog basically um, after that. But um, uh, that that album just drew me in right away, and uh, now you know just just talking about what makes that album so great and what makes it a classic. Um, legacy wise, it's it's um obviously you know it it kickstarted the career of one of the most popular rappers and and uh, greatest rappers of all time. His first album. Um, but uh, let's talk about one thing I want to bring up is is when it came out, how it was received at the time it came out. So it took some years for Reasonable Doubt to be considered a classic uh, when it first came out. It was well received, um, you know. It it was well received by everybody, but it was just seen as another dope album in a line of a lot of a lot of albums at this time were great. Or this was a a very competitive era of hip hop. You know, the mid '90s. The in my opinion, the in my opinion, the greatest hip hop era of all time is the mid '90s, the golden age. So. When this album came out, you know, other albums that came out around that time, this, you know, Tupac was still alive at this time. Biggie was still alive. You know, this is the same year All Eyes on Me came out. Um, it Was Written came out. Now the second album came out. Um, the Fugees had the scores, uh, which was a big album the same year. Uh, AT Aliens, Outkast. Um, you had, you know, just a year before 95, you had uh, Only Built for Cuba Links, one of the greatest albums. Um, Freaking um, the infamous Mob Deep, you know, yeah, you, you know, we're only a few years from that, you know, ready to die and nomadic. This was just a crazy era where everything that came out this time was fucking amazing. So this album was just kind of lumped into a like that group. Oh, it's another another dope album, um, um, and it didn't do well. It didn't sell a lot. Jay Z took a couple years for Jay Z to become famous, become. Uh, become popular, I guess, become mainstream. Um, it was until 98. So when this album came out, it didn't sell a, a whole ton of records. Um, it, it was, you know, it was well received, but it wasn't considered this instant classic like the way Illmatic was. Like Illmatic, as soon as it came out, people were highly regarding it. It was widely, widely praised by not just hip hop, but also like major publications, you know, Rolling not Rolling Stones, I'm sorry, The Source gave it a five out of five rating. So got all these, all this stuff, right? Um, 
but uh you know say ready to die as well was like that but um uh, reasonable doubt wasn't and and uh part of it was you know going back to jay's backstory you couldn't get a deal and nobody wanted a no major label wanted to sign him so he started off rockefeller with his own money him him dame dash and kareem uh biggs burke they put funded their own cash their own money to start this label and and did this shit themselves so that adds to the legacy of this album the fact that um it was a independent release basically you know with no major label uh backing and you see how nowadays there's so many rappers that that choose to go the independent route instead of signing to a major label to control their own music and 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 things like that and and uh reasonable doubt was one of those first albums that that uh really showed rappers that you can do it your own way you don't have to you don't need the the backing of a major label and uh the push from a major label so it was influential in that sense that this was an album started by uh independent company with their own label their own money and did it their way and and it worked you know um it took a few years but um jay became uh, a star by 98 he was a star uh reasonable doubt when people went back and listened to reasonable doubt a couple years later once jay-z became big and like oh shit this album is fucking great and and then uh it started being considered a classic by by many people after that and from that point on you know this is that's it's been considered one of the great hip-hop albums of all time since then so uh, that's a big, big point of this album, big part of this album. That's what ma- what makes it so impactful. Um, that right there alone uh, gives it a lot of, a lot of impact right there, uh, a lot of influence. And then the other thing was, um, um, like I mentioned, this album came out in an era where there was a lot of great hip hop albums. But uh, what makes Reasonable Doubt stand out more, and not not just more because there's other albums equally. You can argue equally as good that came out during this era, but what makes this stand out in a way that makes it unique from the rest was uh, Jay's experiences. I think were more more real, more real, more more um, coming from a place of of actual life experiences. And, and that's not saying that other albums that came out during this time were fake or people were being fake, but you you did feel you did feel Jay was speaking more from real real life shit um at times and and uh it makes it stand out a little bit differently from other albums and when i say that i say it from the point that this album was kind of lumped into a subgenre of hip-hop that was really popular at that time called mafioso rap um mafioso rap is basically like drug dealer rap it's it's not like trap like today but it's more from a boss perspective like a um, a Godfather, Michael Corleone, you know, Scarface level of I'm a boss. I'm a, I'm a high level uh, drug dealer. Um, and that was uh, that was popularized. That genre was popularized by um, Raekwon. By um, yeah, by Raekwon and only built for Cuban Links, um, which came out the year before in '95. Now Cuban Links great album i'm gonna review that album at some point um my classic album review all-time great album um and that album was 
basically the whole album was uh, coke talk, uh, drug rap, um, uh, like this boss, you know, mafioso rap of, of or I'm a big drug kingpin um, type of type of rap, right? And it popularized this genre where after that album came out, you had a lot of rappers trying to follow that same follow suit in that same type of style you know Nas kind of did it was it was written street dreams and this more so no no drug you know drug lifestyle of drug kingpin lifestyle and he did it you know even more with the firm uh the firm was not this group with um foxy brown and az and they're really going for this this uh, like good fellas godfather type of family like we're a, a, a a rat family and that that mafioso style and uh you also saw like you know biggie did it as well with life after death had those elements and ready to die ready to die was more of like a, i'm a street hardcore rapper and uh but life after death was more of this mafioso i'm a larger than life figure so that er- that type of hip-hop became uh popular in that mid-90s period and uh, Reasonable Doubt was just seen as that same type of type of uh, album, like uh, another another dope album, but you know another d- kind of drug rap album, coke rap, um, you know uh, hustler drug dealer rap album, right? But what makes it stand out from the rest of those albums was you felt like Jay was really speaking to to these experiences that he lived through that I don't think people understood at the time it came out. Um, Jay Z is older than a lot of rappers that were that were out at that time. Uh, for those that don't know, or you know, Jay Z had been out since the late '80s. You know, he had been in the industry for years. You know, coming up with Jazz O, going on tour with Big Daddy Kane in, in the early '90s. So Jay, even though this was his first album, he had so much experience in and you know the hip hop community in the you know in the game, not just the hip hop game, but the drug game. Where, where you felt when he was rapping, it was more, he had gone through more, he had been through more, he had done more shit. Um, and he didn't really feel that from everybody else at that time. And that's what makes his album stand out a little, little differently. What's, that's what makes it unique in, in a way. Um, you know, Jay-Z is older than Nas. He's older than, he was older than Biggie. You know, he's older than, he's older than, uh, uh, Mob Deep, he was older than Havoc and Prodigy. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's older than Raekwon. So he's older than a lot of guys that already had albums that came out before him. Uh, so by the time Reasonable Doubt came out, you know, he was already 26. So and, and rap age is considered old for your first album. So he had already gone through a lot of shit. And, and uh, you felt that on Reasonable Doubt. Because he's giving you both sides of it. He's giving you a full picture a whole worldview on on the drug game, and and he wasn't just glorifying this this life this 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 life of a drug dealer. He was also talking about the the regrets, right? One of the best songs on that album is "Regrets" and and the paranoia and the the choices you have to live with and and how stressful it could be. And uh, a lot of people weren't giving him that as much. You know, you you felt like. Uh, other albums were more so kind of showing you the good some of the bad but mostly the good it wasn't as well balanced you had a lot of just glamorous stuff you know lifestyle towards it and 
more of a movie, you know. Uh, other albums, you got more of a movie perspective, like a Scar. You know, Scarface shows you the downfall and all that, but you got more of this larger than life, you know, kind of movie world where it's all glossy and shiny, and and you're you're living it up. Uh, but Reasonable Doubt gave you more of the the whole worldview, and that speaks to people. I remember Pusha T uh, talking about Reasonable Doubt and how important that album had on him. Not not just the music as another rapper, how influential was it on him as another rapper, but also just as a person as like Pusha T being another guy who used to sell drugs and how Reasonable Doubt really spoke to him in that way and connected to him. And I think uh, it connect it connected to people that were really doing a lot of the same shit that Jay-Z was doing. And uh, that's, that's another thing that adds to this album's legacy. It spoke f- from some of their, you know, real experiences. And that's Jay-Z. Jay-Z has always been the type of advocate that everything he raps about, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't make up a lot of stories. Um, he talks about a lot of shit, a lot of just real experiences, life that he, a lot of his songs have to deal with real, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of real experiences. And I'm not, and I'm not just saying that to say rappers are fake, because I do think you can, it's fine if to make up a story and make it dope, you know, rappers, I remember watching Common talk about Biggie's uh, warning, he's like, I'm not sure if that was a true story or whatever, and most likely it probably wasn't, but that song is so dope, you know, it's, it's such a dope story, and you, you don't know, right, but Jay's always been more of an advocate that, that, uh, that he's, he's, uh, talking about these real life experiences, and, and that, that adds to this album, um, uh, the lyricism is, is something that took me years to understand. A lot of the double entendres, um, and that's another thing that what makes this album a classic is the lyricism is so great on this album. It holds up today. It's still clever as ever. Uh, there's still shit on this album that I catch that I didn't even, I still didn't even catch originally, and that's you know 25 years later already. So lyrically, I think it's one of the the most well written, most lyrical albums of all time filled with double entendres and metaphors and, and hidden hidden messages and that shit just goes over your head and, and it takes years to get that. And I think people sometimes confuse great lyrical ability with just rapping fast or saying a lot of big words. And this album's you know, Jay-Z does have a big vocabulary uh, on this album. He's, he's uh, you know, he's not simple at all. So, um, but... Uh, sometimes people just think the more big words you use, the faster you rap, the more lyrical you are, and that's not the case. And 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 that's what makes Jay Z a great lyricist. He he says shit in a way that on surface it, it might seem um, like there's only one meaning. Then you go back and play it and uh, and replay it, and you have this replay value that lasts forever. And that's the type of lyricism that lasts forever, you know. When you get multiple messages, multiple meanings when you listen to it. So <clears throat> Jay-Z is known for that, the double entendres. Uh, but, you know, in this album, some, the technical ability that he has, man, is fucking brilliant. Like, it's hard to do, dude. Like, 22 twos, to come up with that concept of using the word two 22 times in a clever way. And some of the, you know, the double meanings, uh, the evils, uh, you know, Fucking, I we used to fight for building blocks. Now we fight for blocks of the buildings that make a killing, or 
And now the higher learning got the Remy and Mileko, Zavidima Kidney's like higher learning, the movie um, relating to Remy, the character in higher learning that went crazy. Uh, but also Remy Martin, like the double meaning that, you know, I, I know, I mean, I can quote this whole album filled with just brilliant, brilliant metaphors and uh, double entendres. And, and I know, I know all the lyrics on this album, so I can go all day with that. But um, yeah, that holds up to this day. And, and, and uh, this album, man, it's, it's special. It's, 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 even though, you know, me not, I'm from, I'm from the West Coast. I'm from California, Southern Cal. I'm not from the same lifestyle as Jay-Z. I didn't grow up in the hood or, you know, the projects of Brooklyn and I didn't sell drugs, but I can still relate to this album because of all the kind of the messages as far as kind of living your life to the fullest and, 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 uh, basically doing, doing what you want, you know, like, trying to make something of yourself, being a, a hustler, starting from nothing, uh, starting your own label, bu- building your own business. Uh, that's motivational shit that, that Jay is filled with, with gems on this album. You know, I'd rather die enormous to live dormant, you know. Um, one of the one of the lines from Can I Live, um, just, just that, that message translates to everybody. You don't have to be from a certain lifestyle to get that so um that's that's why i love this album so much uh the messages is fucking amazing as far as the lyrical ability and the the production and anybody who ever questions jay-z's lyrical ability this this is out this album can hold up with any album as far as from the lyric from a lyrical standpoint and uh and yeah this this really kick-started my fandom for him um after I heard this, so you know, I listened to everything else he ever made, basically, and uh, it's my my favorite album. It's it's up there. It's always gonna be one of my favorite albums. Um, so, and that's my classic album review for for Reasonable Doubt by Jay Z. I uh, hope you enjoyed. So now let's moving on to uh, to topic number two. All right. So now for my second topic gonna talk about the NBA bubble and uh, my thoughts on the Orlando NBA bubble that's uh, happening right now playoffs gonna start soon well not just not playoffs they're gonna have what I think six six games um, and then you're gonna have that turn the tournament so um, I'm excited NBA is back um, as a Laker fan um, you know the Lakers were were number one seed they're they're riding hot things were looking up and everything got shut down and uh and so i'm just excited that we still have a chance here to win a win a championship um it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting to to see how this this plays all plays out um the the bubble it's 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 already been quite of uh quite a experience already just by being on on Twitter and seeing some of the things that have already happened, you know, like, uh, Rashawn Holmes, who plays for the Kings, uh, he, he has to quarantine now because he ordered food and went to go pick it up. Uh, so he broke out of the bubble to go 
pick up the food, which, you know, such a simple thing, such a little thing. But just for because he did that, he's has to quarantine now for 14 days uh, because he made contact with another human being. Um, so that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see if how many players are going to be able to to um, stick to the bubble, you know, <laughs> stick to the, the the guidelines and and keep to themselves. Um, you know, a lot of these players have, you know, they have, they're used to a certain lifestyle, especially the higher paid ones that, that they, they're, you know, a little spoiled, some of them because of the lifestyle they're used to, you know, even, even when they've been at home quarantine, I'm sure they've been able to have uh, good food still, personal chef and, and, uh, had, you know, their freedom to, to even to leave the house to go eat um even though things were in quarantine but a lot of them still has some more freedom that they have now right and uh, i think it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out there's been you know a few players already complained about the food and uh just their room uh and it looks like they're staying at you know uh you know decent decent hotel rooms they have uh, personally for me, as long as you just, you know, give me some video games, give me some Netflix and I'll be good to go, you know, but I know for a lot of these players, it's, it's a little harder for them. So especially if you don't like the food there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, if somebody breaks out of the bubble at the wrong time and all of a sudden they end up with COVID or, or, uh, they're a key player and then then they have to quarantine themselves for 14 days in the middle of a, a championship run. That's, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a big deal. Um, so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be an experience definitely. And it's gonna, it's gonna be hard for, for some people, but from, you know, from, from what I've been seeing, it looks like, Players are taking some time to get used to it, but um, we'll see how it all plays out. I think I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a fun watch. Still, I I think it's gonna bring in a lot of a lot of fans, or, or a lot of people are still gonna watch the games. And and uh, and I don't I don't believe this this season should have an asterisk by it, um, based off whoever wins. Um, uh, but I know it's going to be seen that way, unfortunately, especially if the Lakers win. Uh, it's going to be seen that way. A lot of people are not going to want to give the Lakers credit and put an asterisk by this championship if if they do win. Um, but almost every other team, I feel like if they win, they won't be such a big deal, um, of course, because you know, Lakers are always going to have the most haters if they win. So, But that comes with the, the territory. Um um, I think the Lakers are going to be fine. I know they're they right. John Rondo broke his hand, so he won't be playing. Uh, so they're they're out on Rondo. Um, Avery Bradley has opted out of playing. Um, but other teams are also going to have players opting out and and have have uh, some some injuries um, as well. The Lakers have such a good chemistry that I feel they're going to be fine. The teams I'm worried about 
or teams that I feel that you know their fan base should be worried about are you know, the Clippers. I don't know how the Clippers are gonna gonna do because they having this break these they they really needed to figure out their their chemistry and 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 they had some issues still they they still had some issues when it came to when it came to uh the just their team dynamic you know uh, so that's going to be interesting um the bucks i think will be fine uh, the other thing too is you know their players are going to have they can have uh if they want to they can have um nicknames on the back of their jerseys or different different uh, names on the back of their jerseys to support uh, black lives matter or support something else that they want to show support of right now in the in the world so like uh kyle corver is gonna have black lives matter on the back of his jersey uh which is big it's a big, pretty big deal you know this is a white nba player showing support for the black community so um that's that's uh, that's gonna be it's gonna be uh, something to watch too. Is see how many players actually choose to to have something different on their back of their jersey uh, to represent some different and uh, stand for stand for a cause if they choose to. Uh, LeBron is gonna, just gonna go with his name. I know that's I'm sure people ask him right away. What you know? What are you, are you gonna have something a, a statement on the back of your jerseys? Um, but uh, he's gonna he's just gonna go with his name. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this NBA to return. Um, we're getting close to it here. We're about two weeks away. Um, you know, I'm just happy to have basketball back. I'm happy to have basketball back and, and I'm looking forward to it. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but it's going to be fun to watch. And, and it's definitely going to be, it's going to be a, a change, but it, it, it's, it'll be, it'll be an experience and it'll be interesting for sure. So, um, excited to have ba- uh, basketball back now. Baseball as well. I'm excited. I'm excited to have back. And I've, uh, I, I didn't think baseball was gonna do this or I was gonna get this done. It seemed like we weren't gonna have a baseball season at all. But um, we are, and I'm, you know, good thing that we are. Um, I don't know what I was gonna do without a whole full baseball season. So, um, sixty game season. And I'm it. It's I think it's I think this season for sure. And baseball, well, baseball will have more of an asterisk behind whoever wins the championship than than basketball. Because when in basketball, at least we got we're almost done with the season. We're almost we're just about 15 games away from the regular season being over when the quarantine happened and the season got uh, suspended. So. So, you know, most of the season was already played. We already knew who the best teams were. You know, we knew who were, who were the championship contenders in basketball. So, um, it, it doesn't have as much of an asterisk as uh, baseball because you're going into this 60 games only. You know, that's that's less than 50% of the season. That's, that's only like, um, shoot, man, that's only like like 33% of, not more than that, but about what, 40% of the season. Forty percent of the baseball season is what we're gonna play. So, you know, basketball we played about eighty, about eighty percent of the basketball season. Eighty, eighty-five percent of the season was played already by the time it got suspended. So, and and baseball, you need you need more games to. I'm I'm happy we're getting a season, but it's gonna have an asterisk because you're gonna need more games to 
to uh, to show who the best team is. You need more games of baseball to to figure out who the better teams are. There's a lot of teams that start slow. As a Dodger fan, you know they won the 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 division six years in a row. And out of those six years, I think only two times um, were they the the number one team in their division sixty games through the season. So the Dodgers are notoriously a bit of a slow start start as a team over the last you know six years they've been more of a they start they start off just okay for them you know they'll be they'll be around 500 maybe a little bit over 560 games through the season then around um around june july is when they really start to take off so the dodgers can afford to have a slow start because it's such a short season if they have like a a six game losing streak and that's going to put them back some ways already. You know, they'll be fighting. So um, depending on who, especially depending on who wins the, the, the championship this season in baseball, it, it's going to have more of an asterisk behind it if more of, if a random team wins it. Uh, if it's one of the popular teams uh, or the main contenders like the Dodgers or the Yankees or um, I don't want to say the Astros because... Fuck the Astros for cheating, but you know if, if one of those teams win it, um, then it's it's not gonna have as big of an asterisk, even though it still will. Um, so it's gonna be way different. But at the but also I feel like it can also have more viewership because it's a shorter season. That's one of the complaints people have about baseball that it's it's too long. There's too many games. A lot of games don't matter. Uh, with 60 games, is like you're ready in the in the pennant race from the beginning. So every game's gonna have that much more importance, that much more um, more value. So that can I think maybe possibly bring in bring in more viewers for the regular season. So the ratings for regular season baseball games are pretty low. Um, so we'll see how that you know. And there's not a lot of anything else to watch either. So. It, We'll see how the ratings go uh, when it comes to baseball, um, but it's it's going to be fun to watch. Um, no fans, so uh, I think baseball can do some things that are they can try some things here. I feel the games are going to go by faster because there's no fans. Um, a, a lot of times, you kind of you kind of feel like um, players are because the the war of the the crowd is so loud. They the pressure they. They might not feel the same pressure when no fans there. They, they're not going to take as much time out of the batter's box to settle down. Pitchers are not going to be as, as hyped up or, you know, kind of, in in their you know nervous or, or anything like that because of the fans. Um, uh, a lot of you know a lot, that's what happens a lot of times, is uh, especially like you go, if you ever go to like a Dodger game. Or I know I'm not not just Dodger games. I'm sure a lot of home home crowds, right? They they take pauses for the crowd to get louder. They put the music louder. All that type of stuff is going to be gone. So that's going to speed up the game, and it's going to add a whole another dynamic to the game because uh, that pressure won't be there. So I've been watching a few of the Dodger inner squad games, um, and it just it just seems like games are flying through they they're usually stopping around like six innings they'll play six innings and they'll call it a day uh but those six innings seem to fly right by compared to um how a game would normally feel like so 
that could bring more you know it can bring more of audience to baseball that's the two the the two things that that people complain about that they're not a big fan of baseball they complain that the games are too long and that uh they play too many games the season's too long so it has the games are you have so many games a lot of them feel like they don't matter um that people get turned off to baseball because of that so with with the 60 games and the games possibly fielding faster um, I think it can possibly bring new fans to baseball or bring viewership back up. So um, that's just a theory I have that that uh, we'll see how it turns out. But either way, I'm excited we're having the season. Um, the Dodgers look good. I've been watching them play against each other, so they look good. They look ready to roll, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to have sports back. Just keep it at that. I just want to talk about it um, here for a bit. So. I'm, that's going to do it for this episode on this podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Follow our, our podcast page on Twitter. We're trying to get our social media up, so follow us on, on Twitter, at, at Creative Collision. Uh, Instagram as well, same handle, at Creative Collision. And um, and uh, also, we started a, our Facebook page, so uh, Creative Collision, look us up. And, uh, and yeah, I will catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Have a great day. Stay safe. Feeling so, feeling so, feeling so.